It's a beautiful morning. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. And you're listening to Breakfast with Rosie. Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the I know it's mean to say you're green, but you gots to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans. This is Anthony of wrestling-news.com. I want to thank you very much for listening tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hey, I'm Kermit D. Frog. I am the new GM for Raw. NXT! NXT! Yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA impact zone with one of those metal detector wands. And when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the air guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. Since youngins do listen, some of your youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cunt on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total non-stop Anthony That's what you got tonight Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Hey, what's up everyone? Don Tony here Welcome to this edition of Breakfast with Blossie Right now it's Wednesday evening, August 15th, 2018 and I know a lot of you out there are anticipating the discussion, the debate that I had with Joey Numbers regarding the CM Punk Colt Cabana lawsuit and a few other things. And when I say had, yes, we already had the conversation. We already recorded it. Truth is, we had the discussion Tuesday night. Fit our schedules a little bit better. We talked about 70 minutes, so you will get that momentarily. It's a very interesting discussion. Joey Numbers, without a doubt, takes more of the moral side of the lawsuit. I get more into the legal side of it as far as the case itself. There is one other tidbit that I need to stress about the discussion we had. I'm not going to say it now. I'll say it right after I give you the audio with Joey Numbers and myself. And the reason why I decided to do it that way is I know that some of you out there will be sharing this audio on YouTube. And by all means, you're welcome to. But the thing is, if I mention the tidbit now and someone just chops a piece of this show off and puts it online, this point, I think, is very, very important I need to make. So it's in addition to what we talked about yesterday. And we didn't just talk about the Cabana punk lawsuit. We actually talked about a few other things. You know, I think some people are very, very afraid to touch on the Peyton Royce, Dave Meltzer story did not take place yesterday. It is actually fermenting, developing, snowballing, I think might be the better way to put it right now, as we speak. 
And and for anyone out there that has no idea what I'm talking about, I will get into it momentarily. Any longtime listener knows I have been a fan and supporter of Dave Meltzer going back to the early 90s. I'm one of those rare breeds out there that support not only Meltzer, but Vince Russo as well. And, you know, what's happening right now in social media with Meltzer's comments towards Peyton Royce is uh, pretty intense. And a lot of you out there are emailing me, sending me PMs, posting on social media. DT, what do you have to say about this? Blah, 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 blah. So I will get into that a little bit later. Before I go any further, I want to give a very happy birthday to Isaac, one of our loyal supporters of the show's patron as well. Our newest associate producer on Patreon, Russell Zabinala, and our new and returning patrons, Ghost of Plancha, Ryan Brajal. I don't know. I hear Brajal. I think of the meat. You know, when you go to Italian butcher, hey, give me a book, Brajal, you know, a beef Brajal. And if you don't know what that is, that is delicious. You put it in tomato sauce when you make, some people call it gravy. I'm Italian. I don't call Sunday sauce gravy. I fucking hate when people call it gravy. It's fucking sauce, meatballs, sausage, brajol. I don't like pork in my sauce. I'm not like a big rib eater and stuff like that. But anyway, Ryan Brajol, Pouty McGuire, Jacob Cannot, James Young, Jonathan Bauer, Patrick Wagner, Leo Nunez, Chagall, Chris Andre, John Amantia, Eric Turner, Paul Bielowski, Michael Ogle. And if I ever pronounce anybody's name wrong, send me a PM on Patreon. Let me know, because I don't like ever getting anything wrong. I mean, we're all human. We make mistakes, but I'd rather pronounce your names correctly. Um, So why postpone this any further? For the next 67 minutes, I present to you the discussion I had with Joey Numbers. Keep in mind that I was on location yesterday at the Beach House. So the audio might sound slightly different than what you're hearing now, as far as quality-wise. But sit back, enjoy, and after it's over, I will return give you a couple of final thoughts, and we'll get into some other tidbits of wrestling news as well. Enjoy. All right, everyone. Don Tony here, and I am very happy to be joined with Joey Numbers of Wrestling Soup. I I don't want to say referee extraordinaire because (laughs) you've been refing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I haven't been doing it as much anymore. It's just something that I kind of do whenever uh, the opportunity comes about, but this weekend, I had the uh, chance to do something a little bit different. That's that was sure. cool. That was cool. Kevin Nash winning the big time wrestling heavyweight championship. A lot of places covered it. And a lot of people aren't aware that the referee of that match was you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny about that. And I got to talk about this a little bit on the Wrestling Soup Extra that is available on our Patreon. You should go check that out if you don't already. Uh, but yeah, I got to talk about this a little bit. I had no idea that Kevin Nash was even coming out. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I'll I'll tell you why. And it's because, you know, a lot of the criticism that people have had as far as seeing a 45 second long clip or uh, not even a minute long clip of the match is uh, Kevin Nash did this. He's lazy. He's old and blah, blah, blah. What they don't realize is that was the sixth opponent of the champion. (laughs) <laughs> that night wow. he was doing he was doing a gauntlet style match uh before that he'd worked two local guys or you know basically like two job guys that he squashed very quickly then progressively it went from a more local indie guy who you know he wrestled about eight to ten minutes with him then out came james ellsworth then he worked darren young 
So at about that point, he'd had a half an hour of ring time. Wow. It, it, yeah. So he'd been out there that whole entire time. I told the whole story about it there, but it's like it was a very good match and it told a great story. And out comes Kevin Nash. We had a good amount of people there, probably 1,800, damn near 2,000 people. And Oh, wait. So so yeah. you mean to tell me indie groups can draw that much without being around WrestleMania? And uh, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I'm saying as a compliment. I'm not saying I'm – it's a little bit of sarcasm because I love how some of these places – you know, they book it around WrestleMania. And this is not Ring of Honor, New Japan. I mean, they have a whole different crop of talent and it's top quality. But a lot of other places, you know, you unless you get a rub from someone else or that people have to beat, you can't draw flies for the most part. And that, that wow. was cool. That was absolutely well, cool. Well, you have to you have to actually know what you're doing, which, by the way, I, I'd actually found out this weekend that uh, a handful of people that I know that are within big time, some of the people that are more higher up, uh, the promoters and whatnot, they're actually, they, they listen to you. They listen to you fairly regularly because oh. we started talking about podcasting and everything. And they'd said that they'd been listening to your show. So I was like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, I had no cool. idea. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. they like it. I hope they like it. Well, that was, that was, it was a positive thing. If it wasn't, you think I'd tell you? Yeah, you think you I'd probably- go, Don, Tony, these fucking... <laughs> You think you're the shits. No, nah, well, you know what? About it. I do get, and this, look, this is not about, oh, you know, putting ourselves over. I mean, I'm just t- saying as a fact, I know you get it. Mish gets it. Kev gets it as well. Um, we get periodically emails and messages from people, from, you know, the wrestlers on TV right now, the Hall of Famers and others, and they give us some really kind words. And 99% of the time, they'll at the very end, they'll say, just do me a favor. Don't mention me publicly because it just looks tacky on their part. They like to keep their um, their appreciation towards you know shows and stuff on the on the down low, and right. it's also because you you see like with with management and stuff like that. I don't think they condone or really like to see their wrestlers, their superstars, their money makers you know, um, enjoying amateurs or, you know what I'm saying? Like it just doesn't look right. Well, they, they perceive this, uh, this medium or this platform as a joke unless they're doing it. Yeah. That's just what it comes down to. There's a reason why WWE got, you know, basically got Sam Roberts in their pocket. There's a reason why they went after Rosenberg because these were guys with some notoriety that liked wrestling. And they said, those will be our guys that will sit there and will say, see, those are the real guys talking about wrestling on podcasts. Those are the real, those are the ones that you should be listening to. Those are the all pros. Those, those are the professionals. Yeah. All those other ones, they're just a bunch of fucking bums. They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, that, but once again, those are people that are owned by them. Well, you know what? I've been saying it since my hotline days in 1997. I will never be polished. I will never be professional. The one thing I will always be is real and honest. And my mouth has gotten me into trouble many, many times. But I, when I do these shows, I talk to everybody out there as if we're all friends at a party, at a barbecue, at a bar, just talking about shit. And I just tell you what's on my mind. Um, do I get cocky at times? Absolutely. Uh, I say it many times that the haters out there are like heroin to my veins. I've never taken heroin before, but, you know, when I see that kind of 
hatred and, and hate from them, but yet they tune in week in and week out and week in and week out. I actually do have some weird love for them, and I do appreciate everybody that tunes in. And you know what? It's a lot of fun as well. It's still fun, um, but one thing I've noticed over the years, I never, ever loved doing it, never liked doing it, is debating. And, and, you know, it's very, very hard to have a good debate with someone, you know, if uh, they're not reciprocal. You know, you see it in politics right now with this Matarats, this uh, Alexandria Cortez Ocasio, and, you know, people want to debate her and she's accusing them as catcalling and stuff like that. I, I just like the challenge. I like the challenge, you know, when somebody questions, you know, my work ethic, I turn it up a notch even more. When I see laziness amongst other people, I turn it up a notch even more. And the thing that pisses me off, and I finally, after all of these years, offering to give back to young and inspiring podcasters, yeah, I'm not professional, but neither are they. So what would you rather get advice from, from someone who's also not professional that maybe has a little bit of a following, or do you want someone that's a stuffed shirt that has to change their style and be very PC? Nothing against Roberts or Rosenberg, but that's what's happened. You actually watch what they say and you see what they're they're doing, and they've really changed their style because they have to go along with the WWE and the you know the perception and just that that whole thing. I, I At one point, I absolutely would have loved to have do, done that, but it would have taken away my authenticity. Well, I mean, is there really at this point any place in WWE for anybody or just in any sort of the mainstream wrestling companies? And by that, I include New Japan and Ring of Honor, where you're going to go in there and not completely toe the line. And that's what it comes down to, I think, for the most part, for anybody that's talking about any form of entertainment, where if you have it, say you're doing like a local sports thing, right? I'm talking about the Islanders. I'm talking about the Giants, the Jets, whomever. Those guys get to slide under the radar because they're not being paid by those people. There's money coming from another side. But if they were paid by the Giants, the Jets, the Bruins, the Red Sox, whomever the fuck, you're damn sure that they're going to sit there and they're going to go, what a great game the other day, right, guys? Yes. And I don't blame them to a certain extent. I just no. don't like to have that though, being tied down like that because it just takes away a lot of the honesty and the authenticity. And you know what? Before we get into why I know everybody is tuning in for this segment more than anything, and that is our debate on the Colt Cabana CM Punk lawsuit. I'll segue into this, a topic that I absolutely refuse to talk about on Monday's Don Tony and Kevin Castle show, not anything because of Kevin Castle, but Kevin, Kev has not worked in the locker room as far as wrestling goes. Um, he has not been around people. Yes. I mean, I never did anything other than, you know, manage on the indies for a few, you know, few years here and there, couple of promotions had fun, but still was around the locker room. You walk up to everybody. You're not supposed to be intimidated. You shake everybody's hands. You show respect. It's a brotherhood. All right. Whether you're the biggest star in the card or the absolute nobody on the bottom of the food chain, Everybody treats everybody with respect. And that was one thing that I absolutely adored and was enamored with when, when Frank Goodman allowed me into that world to see like almost like a, it's like a line of people. Hey, how are you? Hey, how's it going? My name is so-and-so. Hey, how's it going? So-and-so. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how you doing? Is it? And it was just really, really cool to see. And um, 
I didn't want to get into it on Monday because I wanted to, you know, either just not talk about it all, but say it to someone like you who is who is around the locker room. Mm-hmm. I see uh, that something that Court Bauer, who was a WWE writer back then, now he's back doing MLW stuff. I see that a story from 2012 is being rehashed, and it pissed me off in 12. The guy has pissed me off going back uh, 16 years. Um, did some very shady shit with MLW back then and almost fucked USA Pro Wrestling's event here in New York. He had his little minions on websites. I don't want to tell the whole story here, but never liked the guy. Rubbed me the wrong way, just the, just the snake. But I know that he has a lot of friends in wrestling, and he does put on a good product with MLW. I'm not going to take that away from him. But I just noticed over the years, ever since he's been gone from WWE from writing for a couple of years, that this is a guy that is almost like like a I don't want to say a drug addict needing attention, <laughs> but you know, he puts out there that Randy Orton used to put his hand down his pants and then stick it out to a person and see if they would shake their hand to see you know what I mean? Like things like that. And I immediately thought about the stories of JBL in the shower with just his boots on. I hear that remember the stories of Mr. Fuji shitting in people's boots or purses. Of course all of this stuff is is not appropriate, especially in this day and age. But it's hazing, it's the locker room, it's the boys, you know, it's being you know, like almost like a college fraternity. And to see this guy like publicly throw stuff out there, oh, Stephanie would, you know, have this, tell me to do this. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like her behavior did a, did a 180 and blah, 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 blah. And I pitched this and they thought I was crazy. And and, and, and I read one recently where, they, you know, a lot of old timers like, Dusty Rhodes and Ted DiBiase and others were talking about the first time that they ever got color, that they ever juiced. So this guy decides to interject in the conversation because he's in the room and he talks about the time that a broomstick was bashed over his head at an MLW event. He started bleeding his snat and Stephanie pulled him inside and said, don't ever do that again. Only the boys talk about I I remember being in the locker room and listening, just taking in all of the legends telling stories about wild shit and everything. And even if that happened to me personally, even if that happened to me in an event, you sit there and you ingest it and you digest it and you take it in and you know your role and you shut, I hate to use the the term, but you know your role, you shut your mouth. And this guy's interjecting himself like one of the boys. And now since he's gone, it's like, you know, where's the brotherhood respect amongst your peers? Even though what Randy Orton allegedly did is disgusting. But you know what? I remember years ago, you know, when I went, I told this story 15 years ago on my shows. I went to Italy in 1986 with my high school. We got into a hotel room because in Italy at the time, the hotel rooms used skeleton keys. So you could use the same key to get into multiple rooms. We found these girls that I actually fooled around with one of them on the trip you know, just a fat whale from Texas. And, and keep in <laughs> mind, everybody, I was 15 years old at the time or 14 years old, so I don't want to hear no shit. But we got into their room, and they had cigarettes and candy and M&Ms, so we started smoking the cigarettes, eating M&Ms, and one of them had one of these, you know, 110 cameras, those very thin cameras with the flash bulb and everything, and two guys, 
you know, went into the bathroom and they took their penis and they put it in a glass and they started snapping photos of it. And when we had a reunion like a year and a half later, one of the girls went up to some people in my class, you know, because we all had this big reunion, people flew in and stuff. And she's like, who took the pictures with my 110? And uh, somebody stepped up and was laughing and the girl smacked him in the face. Didn't call cops, didn't allege me too and all this other stuff. Sure, it was a disgusting thing to do. I didn't take part on it because my penis was small. You know, so I, I didn't <laughs> want to be any part of it. They would have been, oh, that's that's uh, de Blasi's penis. My point is, is that, you know, as we grow up and even in fraternities, you know, you do questionable things. And I just don't get why this guy is bringing shit like this public. You know, it's like, where is the respect, the brotherhood, even when it's, you know, a little bit tasteless? You know, it's like, I I, I don't know. I just really, really got rubbed the wrong way when I see this guy throwing that stuff out there, making this attention. You know, it's uh, there's so much so many stories that we've heard over the years with with people behind the scenes and wrestling and hazing and stuff like that. It's like, you know, is is he real? Is it necessary for him to be doing it? Especially he's running a wrestling company now. Yeah, I mean, I looked at this and, uh, you know, I saw this story and I, I my first immediate thought was breaking news. Randy Orton acts like a piece of shit. Yeah. Like that was that was immediately my first thought, which is this is something that we've been hearing about him doing shitty things for 15 years now. Right. This is nothing new. That was first and foremost. And secondly, yeah, if we want to talk about, you know, the, the the camaraderie that's within the wrestling business, we sold that out as an industry many, many years ago mm. when everybody that knew anything decided that let's make schools. We're going to make 45 wrestling schools in one state. And anybody that's got $15 can fucking get into this business. And that's that. That's and by the way, you can't even just you know blame the people that opened up wrestling schools. You can also blame WWE themselves to where they sit there and, uh, for example, even Court Bauer. I don't know him from a fucking hole in the wall. I can't really say much about him other than what you've just told me about him. But why why do we decide that writers in wrestling? Like, why what do they know? Yes. Yeah. What a what do writers really fucking know? And that's an, And this is a. I'm sure somebody's going to hear this and they're going to say, yes, you put on your cornet glasses, Joe, because that's what you sound like. But that's the reality of it. Why do you think WWE nonstop has shit that is putrid on their show? It's not coming from wrestling people. I'll tell you that it's not coming from people that actually understand the way that shit's supposed to be done. It's not coming from people that are writing it like a wrestling show. It's coming from people that write Trident commercials and then all of a sudden want to write a promo for Roman Reigns. Right, right. That's where it comes from. And and by the way, I can't get upset at those people because they were let in. No, they didn't fight their way in. Nobody sat there, you know, Court Bauer or any of these guys that end up, you know, they're ex-WWE writers. They're doing a job. Someone put that up and said, hey, on Monster.com, hey, you want to come be a writer for WWE? Hey, do you know who Hulk Hogan and John Cena are? Perfect. We'll give you a fucking 20 people's whole entire life's work. Hmm. You figure it out. Yeah. It's not, I, I can't get mad at them. They weren't even, not only were they, they weren't necessarily even let in. But 
They were brought in. But Court Bauer should have known better because he ran MLW before going to WWE. So he should know the locker room camaraderie. And I'm sure that people partied a little bit in the locker room or the hotels after the events. And, you know, do I condone, you know, if Randy Orton did this, do I condone it? No. I'm not saying it in any way. All I'm saying is, is that, you know, you just... It should have been left in the locker room. There's a reason why a majority of the entire wrestling roster, even when they retire, even when they get, you know, they go out in the real world, you don't see them, you know, throwing darts like this out there that could ruin people's stuff because it's just this is what it was back then. If people grown up, yes, is it a, is it an absolute no 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 to do in 2018? Yes. But again, this is a story that this guy decided to put out there in 2012. And I just think like, you know, it's, there's no, and it's usually writers. It's usually people in office. It's, it's not usually a wrestler unless it's, you know, it's someone who was really mistreated. And then that person probably deservingly has a right to speak out. But it just feels like that these former writers, and I don't want to name names of other ones, but you all out there can figure out who they are. You know, last couple of years, oh, I used to break into Vince's office and steal his protein bars and bottled water. I mean, what the fuck are you actually, why are you saying that? So we could be like, you're cool, dude. When I was a kid, I used to break into my teacher's desk and steal pens. It's like, why would you even fucking say that? You know, it's, it just, I don't know. I just think they're all lame. And I will say this, kudos to whatever WWE writer yesterday that had Roman Reigns cut that bro- promo and say, you know, at SummerSlam, I'm going to get back my universal title, you know? a title that he had never won or, you know, claimed before. He's cl- he's getting back his title, title he never right. won. Well, no, it's his. Yeah. It's his. He's a baby face. What? Oh, he's a he's the guy you're supposed to. Oh, okay. I'm getting well, uh, back my title. Um, You have to remember uh, that this is also the show. W- excuse me, Monday Night Raw, most specifically. Not that SmackDown's not a fucking disaster either, but you have to remember that this is a show that – for how long now, maybe a year and a half, two years, even longer, this idea that what if we tease that Paul Heyman is going to become Roman Reigns' new manager? What if we tease that he's going to turn on Brock and then Roman finally becomes a heel? Just this thing that people have been talking about pretty much for mm, probably even longer than two years, maybe almost since the fucking first match happened between them, yeah, right? Yeah. So why wouldn't we blow that off on the Monday before the pay-per-view instead of just let it dangle for five or six days? Why would yeah. – oh, oh, I know why. Because simpy for fucking Roman. That is never going to come. It's no, never, ever, no, no. ever, 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 nope. ever, ever, ever going to come. WWE's biggest problem is they tried too late – with the way that they have Brock, I don't care about the WWE or Raw or the fans or anything. They did it too late. And then once Brock leaves and that rubs off, you're still left with Roman. And, right. and it's just, I don't know. I just find it funny last night because it's like, it's almost like somebody in the back who I could just picture somebody in the back, the writer saying, all right, Roman Reigns is going to come out there. He's going to put this passionate speech out. He's going to talk about how he's going to claim back what's his. He's going to claim back his universal title. 
And I just picture someone else back there saying, wait a minute, he's never been universal champion before. How could he be reclaiming something he never won in the first place? And I could just picture the answer. It just sounds good. It just sounds sexy. You know, he's got that mean look on him, and we'll we'll add in the word ass or bitch once, and the f- fans will pop. Ooh! And at the end of the day, it's just dopey. So <laughs> anyway, let's uh, get into the meat and potatoes. I got to give a shout-out to everybody out there who made this hype the last five days so um, interesting and looking forward to. Um just to paint the picture a little bit, last week, Cole Cabana filed a lawsuit, uh, August 7th to be exact, that he is suing CM Punk. $200,000 plus a million dollars in uh, punitive damages. And basically what the overall synopsis of it is that um, Cole Cabana has received text messages and promises from CM Punk that CM Punk would take care of their attorney fees and then at some point backed out of it, forcing Colt Cabana to hire his own counsel. And Colt Cabana incurred, I don't know, I don't know the exact amount, I don't know if it's 200000 or maybe more, in legal fees on his own with the Dr. Amon lawsuit. So a lot of people posted their feelings out there, their immediate views, and you were one of them amongst a lot of others, and you took a specific side on this. And everything that I heard coming from you, I absolutely, completely disagreed. With all respect. <laughs> and I just jokingly you know, said out there that you know, I'm so like excited to talk about this, I'm drooling. You know, it's just like, I can't wait to vent on this. And then read a little bit more of what you said and everything. And I was like, you know what? How's about we have a little debate? So I contacted you privately first and asked you if you wanted to come on Breakfast of Blasi just to, you know, go give our sides of the story and have a little fun debate over it. And you said, yes, I posted it online. And it's just wild how much of a response. It's not just Twitter, but Facebook. I saw it on two forums. I see people posting. This is going to be epic. This is going to be huge. This is and that. And um, just I appreciate everybody who was looking forward to this. But with that said, the the bottom line is, is that you are on the side of Colt Cabana. Yeah. I am on the side of CM Punk. So I'm going to give you the floor and you can, I guess, open up as long as you want. Tell everybody why you feel that Cole Cabana has a strong case and um, you are on the side of Cole Cabana in this. Well, you see, the reason why I, you know, kind of was more drawn to Colt's side on this, and I want to say this first and foremost, Colt is a guy that doesn't have a lot of love for wrestling soup. This isn't some guy where I'm sure somebody might hear us say this where they go, oh, Mitch is a Chicago guy and... Colt's a Chicago guy. Maybe there's some sort of, no, it's kind of a long standing thing that we've known. And we've heard through the grapevine that he's not a guy who cares too much for us anyways. But when I stop and I look at the story and I look at just the years and decades at this point of CM Punk doing and saying things that if they'd have been done by anybody who was a little less cooler, maybe a little less productive as far as a performer, we might stop and go, this isn't exactly a, a good person. 
This isn't somebody that makes good choices. This isn't somebody that treats people around them well. And when you approach this case and you look at the way that Cole Cabana was brought into this, okay? Cole Cabana has a podcast. He's a very pop wrestler, one of probably the most popular wrestling podcast, at least at that time. No argument, yeah. I mean, at that time, Cole Cabana was the guy. Cole Cabana was the Mark Marin. He was the Joe Rogan of pro wrestling podcasts. As far as being the guy that sits down and interviews people and gets that sort of a wide range audience. There's people that were doing critiquing of shows. There's people that were doing different stuff at that time. But he was really the guy that said, hey, let me sit down with you as a peer and talk to you about something. Let's talk to you about not even necessarily something, you know, as specific as wrestling, but anything. And that's where he was coming from. So Cole Cabana has this show and he's doing pretty damn good. He's skating along with it. He's getting a good amount of attention. And at this point, he's had a friendship with CM Punk probably at about this was uh, six or seven years ago. So at least over 10 years. OK. And Punk says to him, hey, I could go take a lot of money from Creepy Feinstein. I could go take a lot of money from whomever, fill in the blanks to sit there and do this interview with them and get this all off my chest, but I'm going to do this with you. And in that sense, that makes Punk a good friend. Punk was a good friend to do that for him because he knew that it would draw even more attention to him. He knew that it could help him out. He knew that it could drive in some ad revenue, $250,000 worth ad revenue. I would wager to believe that that's not what happened at all but he said all right I'll, uh, you know let me come on your show so going forward from there punk sits down does an interview with colt from punk's own words it was very therapeutic it was very helpful for him and punk long story short aired some motherfuckers out he didn't go softly into the night he wasn't a gentle about it he didn't say anything he didn't use any coded language he was 100%, at least in his mind, truthful to the shit that he said. So then going forward, of course, you know, in comes Dr. Aman. Dr. Aman sends out a cease and desist, says you got to pull that shit offline. This, I don't want you to have this out there. Cole Cabana, I'm assuming, is the guy that receives it. Now, Cole Cabana, being a guy at this time, more than likely on a good year, might have made forty to $50,000 a year, saw this and said, oh shit, this guy has money, WWE has money. If they come for my head, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So my guess is Cole Cabana said, you know what? It's already out there. Fuck it. I'll make this thing go bye-byes in the car. I got the attention that I needed. I got what I needed out of this. Punk, I, I, I'm glad that you did this with me, but I, I got to cut and dry. CM Punk being the type of person that he is, at least he's shown himself to be throughout the amount of time that he's been in the spotlight, is a stubborn, arrogant, self-involved, egomaniacal guy. He more than likely heard that from Colt and said, fuck them, fuck him, I will fight this. Colt Cabana, of course, being a friend to him or a decent friend at that time, if somebody says to you, hey, listen, man, I, I'm... I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fucking to die on this sword. I feel if you want to leave that up, you want to ride or die with me, then that's how that's going to be. And Colt more than likely said, 
all right, fine. You know, like if this is going to be something that you're going to go with, I will stay with it. Now, Colt's a big boy. He's no child. I'm not going to sit there and say that he should put his hair up in pigtails and go, I'm just a little girl. I don't know what I was getting into. But when you've got somebody who's been that close to you for a very long time, and they also have the resources and they have the means to say what they're going to do and say, I'm going to do this and you're going to come along with me for it. Why would he have any doubt not to do it? So if anything, Cole Cabana is guilty of, of a few things. One, maybe being a little naive that anybody that has money is just going to part ways with it. Even if they've been friends with you for a very long time. And two, Believing that WWE and Dr. Amon, but let's be honest, WWE was just going to go softly into that night and that, that this case was going to be, dis- be dissolved in short order. And that was going to be that. And probably last but not least, he made the mistake of thinking that maybe CM Punk was just going to pick some fucking regular ham and egg or lawyer. It was going to be, you know, cut and dry. But I would be willing to bet that CM Punk picked the best. CM Punk went designer shoe shopping or let's just say he went to five star dining with a friend that has two star wallets. Okay. He's got a two star wallet. And then when the check came, he turned to him and he just said, "Uh, you got, you got this motherfucker. And he said, I thought this was, you said this was on you. And he said, Oh, well tough shit. Put your card down. And he said, this check going bounce. So as far as I'm concerned, whether it be legally or, you know, whatever it's done in the court, ethically, this does not look good on punk. With friends like CM Punk, who needs enemas? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, why I feel Cole Cabana has no case at all. And I strongly suggest everyone wait until CM Punk and or his lawyer either make a statement or file something in court that addresses these court papers. Right now, anything you read or hear from any other show out there on the side of CM Punk is hearsay. But I got some information over the weekend from someone who I find very very reputable, who I talk to personally, gave me some info that kind of fills in some of these blanks, and it kind of really put an exclamation point why... I am not on the side of Cole Cabana in this at all. Nothing personal against him, but I'm going to just give a couple of details why I disagree totally about this court case. Now, before anything, my question to you is this. Cole Cabana, obviously, especially at that time, biggest podcast out there, you know, YouTube, hundreds of thousands of downloads weekly. I mean, he's got advertisers. He's got merchandise. I mean, he's really likable, popular guy. Nothing against him personally. I have no issues with Colt Cabana. I just disagree with this lawsuit. My question to you is, when he, you have a gigantic podcast like that, is it surprise you that the guy never bought insurance in case he ever got sued? Not necessarily that he ever, well, not really, actually. <laughs> Let me ask to, you this. If, yeah, if, yeah. if they would have lost the lawsuit, mm-hmm. who would have paid for the damages? More than likely, both of them would have gone into bankruptcy. Right. Because his name would have been listed on it. Right, exactly. That's, that's more than likely what it would have happened. But that said, it was also put into, it, it was also kind of put out into the ether by Punk that, 
we're going to take care of this. We're going to win and I'm going to take care of it. Now, if they'd have lost, yes, he would have been named as somebody that needed to pay it. But according to what Punk said, it seemed like one way or the other, Punk was like, I gotcha. Okay. Now, here's where I have issues with it, okay? Mm. December 14th, 2014, Cole Cabana receives an email from Dr. Aman saying to take down the podcast. Okay, Cole Cabana immediately notifies CM Punk through text messages, and uh, CM Punk said that he would have his attorney look into it and handle it. Okay, that's it. Two days later, Cole Cabana receives it in the mail, I'm assuming by certified mail, Again, text messages, CM Punk telling Cole Cabana, don't worry about it. He's going to bring it to his attorney. They're going to come up with a game plan. All right. So now this is Cole Cabana's podcast, biggest podcast out there. Guy is not 17 years old. All right. He's a professional person, has no insurance, has no nothing to cover his liable in case something on his podcast would cause someone personal injury. All right. I don't see anywhere up until this point where Colt Cabana takes responsibility for his own podcast. That show got millions and millions of downloads. Colt Cabana got tremendous amounts of press, tremendous amounts of exposure. He got new signups. He got merchandise revenue, advertising revenue. Colt Cabana was reaping the rewards completely on this podcast. I have yet to see anywhere on there where Colt Cabana takes a step back and say, you know what? This is my show. I left it up there. I am responsible. Stupid move on my part to leave it up there, but I have to take some responsibility. I have yet to see or read anywhere where Colt Cabana has taken responsibility. So now the lawsuit is filed two months later because Colt Cabana not only leaves the podcast up there, it's on SoundCloud, it's on other places, he's posting links, he's doing interviews, he's reposting, retweeting, doing all this stuff. So he's proud. He's proud of this episode. He's, He's reaping all the rewards. So now from February 2015 to April of 2016, about a 14-month period, there is nothing going on. Now, Cole Cabana and CM Punk lived within minutes of each other. So it's not like a long-distance friendship where everything is just text messages. They hung out together. They talked uh, together on the phone in person. So the idea that there's just text messages saying, I got you covered, is not the be-all, end-all of this lawsuit. So now, from February, and this is where it gets important, from February 2015 to April of 2016, 14-month stretch, all of a sudden CM Punk sends Colt Cabana an email and orders Colt Cabana to pay half of the legal bill so far. And uh, CM Punk's quote was, to date I have spent $513,736 on this Dr. Amon lawsuit. 
My outstanding current current bill is at least three hundred thousand. Half of all of this is yours. Divide five thirteen seven thirty six by two, and this is what you owe me. And I expect you start to pay me. Starting now, I will no longer be paying your bills. This is April 25th, 2016. May 5th, about 10 days later, Cole Cabana goes out and gets a new lawyer. All right, Cole Cabana believes that CM Punk correctly, this is very important, correctly believed that in the event Cole Cabana would retain separate counsel, Cole Cabana would attempt to make a separate agreement to settle a lawsuit and co- possibly cooperate with Dr. Amon's counsel in connection with the pro- prosecution of the lawsuit against CM Punk. So Cole Cabana goes and looks into getting another lawyer. On June 1st, the lawyer, um, well, let me, let me go a little step back to this. On June 1st, uh, the lawyer replies with an email saying that him and CM Punk believed and agreed that it was in the best interest of Cole Cabana to not get a new lawyer, okay? This is the lawyer, this is CM Punk's lawyer telling Cole Cabana on June 1st, 2016, look, we don't think it's in the best interest of you to get another lawyer. And here is the paragraph that kills Cole Cabana's case. The lawyer says, and I quote, despite your unwillingness to contribute to your legal fees, I am still prepared to represent you. CM Punk is prepared to have me represent you and cover your legal fees going forward as long as there is no conflict between you and CM Punk that prevents me from fairly and ethically representing you. At this time, I don't believe any such conflict exists. Remember that quote. I'll get back to that in a few moments. What I found out is that sometime During that time period, Colt Cabana goes backstage at a WWE Raw event. The event that I was told, I don't know if this is the exact event or not, but I was told that there's no reports online, there's no hints of it at all, but it was the March 7th WWE Raw 2016 in Chicago. So basically, right smack in the middle of this lawsuit, Cole Cabana goes backstage at WWE. Now, if you've listened to interviews from Jericho and others over the last bunch of years, that CM Punk, even in Corey Graves is the most recent one. Corey Graves said that CM Punk has just totally cut off from his life anybody that is still involved with WWE. And even Corey Graves recently, he was just absolutely devastated that CM Punk totally killed their friendship just because he works for WWE. So now imagine you're in the middle of this lawsuit. You find out that Cole Cabana shows up at WWE Raw. This pisses off CM Punk big time. Then on top of it, Cole Cabana is starting to get nervous. Cole Cabana is worried that if this lawsuit rules in the favor of the doctor, his life is ruined. Even if he doesn't have money, even if he tries to file bankruptcy, even if it's in judgment, he gets a job, he pays taxes, they attach his wages. He has assets, they attach the assets. Cole Cabana's life could be ruined because he doesn't make the income that CM Punk does. So Cole Cabana starts thinking that, you know what, maybe if I can get different counsel and possibly settle this lawsuit, that maybe I can, you know, avoid having my life ruined. And unfortunately, you know, that might be in the best interest of me. 
So CM Punk hears this and CM Punk says, wait a minute, what the fuck? I spent $500,000 plus on both of us to be represented by this lawyer. I told you I got you covered and now you're having second thoughts and you're worried and you're showing up at Raw and you think that you might want to settle. Okay, if that's what you want to do, then fine. I paid $500,000 so far. Here's your fucking half. Pay the bill and then do whatever the hell you want. So the lawyer then goes back to Cabana on June 1st, 2016 and says, listen, um, I think it's in the best interest that you keep me as a lawyer, you know, and as long as, you know, we're on the same page. Remember that paragraph before, as long as there's no conflict between you and punk that prevents me from fairly and ethically representing you, then there's there's no problems as far as the, co- the, the cost, the legal fees, blah, 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 blah. So Colt Cabana agrees to keep the lawyer. Now we go to March 10th, 2017. All right, now this is six months after Colt Cabana on social media and some quotes that saying that him and CM Punk are no longer friends. All right. On top of it, six months later, the lawyer uh, representing uh, CM Punk tells Colt Cabana that he is no longer uh, their, their attorney. He paid no legal fees up until that point. Colt Cabana is looking into possibly settling this thing. Colt Cabana is not... In um in aligned with CM Punk and this lawyer, which makes this lawyer's case very very complicated, and it prevents him from fairly defending it. So the minute that Colt Cabana started getting worried, cold feet, thinking that this life is going to be ruined, and this is and that, and started going against the lawyer and CM Punk and causing friction, then that's when CM Punk and the lawyer said, you know what, that's it, we're cutting ties, you get your own attorney. Cole Cabana goes out there, gets his own lawyer, spends $200,000 or whatever it is, and the court finds them not guilty against Dr. Aman. The minute the court case is over, Cole Cabana goes on his podcast and he interviews his own fucking lawyer. This guy was all about his podcast attention and getting money did not learn anything by it when you go back and you look at the testimony from the original court case Colt Cabana confirms that after he got deceased and desist after the lawsuit was filed and after everything that went that went on Colt Cabana uploaded the video again on YouTube direct and as of that court case there was 800,000 additional views of that that podcast all right for two and a half years he left it there unedited, untouched. So Cole Cabana was reaping rewards for years on this show. I don't blame Cole Cabana in the least for getting worried, being concerned that his life could, could possibly be fucked forever if there's a massive judgment against him. But when CM Punk lays out 500 grand for a lawyer to represent both of them and Colt Cabana starts getting cold feet starts saying you know maybe I should settle starts going against the lawyer and CM Punk you don't think that CM Punk has a right to turn around and say look you want to go on your own fine here's half the fucking bill I paid this for you already I still have $300,000 more in in bills pay your half do whatever you want Go on your own. Well, up until that point, he'd said that he'd had him. So say that. All right. So if said CM Punk had said, okay, 
now going forward, fuck you, do whatever you want. I'm going to live by what I said I was going to do, but now you got to do it from there. Then that them's the breaks. Mm -hmm. That's fine. In my opinion, if Colt had said, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. This lawyer is just not for me. I want to bring somebody else in for on my behalf and settle it in my own terms. Then it is what it is. Then that's what should have happened. Now, if you would said, I'm going to take care of it up to that point, that's completely different. And the reason why I say that is because if somebody was to say to you, hey, man, I'm going to help you out with this. All right. If you're in a relationship and someone's living with you and you said, hey, listen, I'm going to go back and become a lawyer. Perfect. Perfect example for this. Okay. I'm going to go back to law school. I'm going to take the bar. And they say, all right, I will cover you for two years. Mm -hmm. Got you covered for two years. Then say that person, it gets to be about two years. All right. That person goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go. I don't know if I want to take the bar. I don't know if I want to go back, take a couple more classes. That person has the right, in my opinion, to look at them and say, hey, listen, I said I got you for those two years, but now you can go fucking screw. That's the, you can go figure it out because I said that I got you covered for that long and that's it. That's well, where you, that's just putting your foot down. Well, here's that's saying thing. that's enough. Pay, he, but, but if that person then says, Hey, because you changed your mind and I, or, or I feel, I feel achy ouchy about it. Now here's your half of the bill. That's kind of just being a okay, dick. I listen. No it's argument. kind of being deceitful. No you know argument. I mean? No argument with what you said at all. But here's yeah. the problem: Cole Cabana is asking for two hundred thousand in general da damages, plus a million dollars in punitive and exemplary damages, saying uh, that CM Punk acted with fraud, malice, and oppression towards Cole Cabana with the deliberate intention of causing Cole Cabana harm. All right. All right. Now, pay attention once again to what Cole Cabana is suing for. $200,000. Do you know what that $200,000 represents? That represents the legal fees that Cole Cabana spent on his attorney Stein after he got new counsel. All right. So none of, I don't see anywhere where CM Punk's lawyer filed a judgment against Cole Cabana for the previous charges for the law firm. The 200000 that Cole Cabana spent was the amount of money that he uh, was due hiring this new law firm on March 10th, 2017. So after the lawsuit was over, Cole Cabana's new attorney sent Cole Cabana a bill for $200,000. Cole Cabana mm -hmm. then takes that bill, hands it to CM Punk and says, pay this. And CM Punk said, fuck that. I'm not paying it. Again, this is this $200,000 is after they split, after Cole Cabana got his own lawyer. So you're saying to me that from March of 2017 on, this does not include the $500,000 that CM Punk already spent. This does not include the other $300,000 that still was being billed. You're saying to me that from March of 17 on, when Cole Cabana got his own attorney, that CM Punk should pay for those legal bills again uh, as well? Where does Cole Cabana take responsibility? It's my podcast. I uploaded it everywhere. I got sued. And instead of me taking it down, no lawyer advised him 
willing to take that down, he goes and he uploads it to YouTube direct. He pushes it more. He pushes it and pushes it and pushes it. Again, this 200 grand is what Colt Cabana spent after the fallout with CM Punk. Where does Colt Cabana, how, where does Colt Cabana pay for his own lawyer for his own responsibility? He's asking CM Punk to pay for the new lawyer after they split. None of this has to do with CM Punk's old lawyer putting judgment on Colt Cabana for his half that wasn't paid. Well, did did Punk actually cover his half of that $500,000? I have not seen, and this is public record. I did a search on it. I did not see that Loeb attorney, the law firm. I have not seen any judgments filed publicly against Colt Cabana for that half of the legal bills. CM Punk was on the hook for those legal bills. And the thing is, is that Colt Cabana did sign papers saying that that law firm was representing him. So the fact that this lawyer on behalf of CM Punk told Colt Cabana, we're no longer representing you. Don't you think that there's a reason behind that? Why would you get rid of one of the two people you're representing and make things totally erratic and totally uh, discombobulated when you're deep into the preparation of this lawsuit? All right, something happened between CM Punk and Colt Cabana. And again, this lawsuit, Colt Cabana is asking CM Punk to pay for the lawyer fees that Colt Cabana incurred from March 2017 on after the split. If this money was a judgment filed by CM Punk's lawyer against Colt Cabana, I probably would have a totally different view on this. But again, where does Colt Cabana take responsibility? He reaped tremendous rewards from this podcast. He never bought insurance. He's never paid a dollar towards legal fees. He's net. Where's his responsibility in all of this? It's his show. It's his podcast. He uploaded it everywhere. And even when he had cold feet, he never took the show down. Well, did he not take the show down because the person that he was believed to have done the show with said to him, do not worry, this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Right. Because if that was communicated with him, if you're a business owner and you're partaking in any sort of interaction with somebody, there's a reason why you have your lawyer next to you. Because you can't say, I'm going to blank, blank, blank anything in front of people because that becomes a binding thing. Anybody that's ever been in any sort of a business-oriented lawsuit knows that you have your lawyer next to you and you zip it. You don't say anything. And you even don't, by the way, you don't even say it to somebody that you're close to, somebody that might even be a part of the lawsuit because shit like this can happen where you have a disagreement. Something happens where you guys don't get along anymore. And if you make a claim where you say, this is something that I am going to do, I have this covered, that becomes a binding thing. Right. That doesn't matter if it's me. That doesn't matter if, if me and you owned a fucking sandwich shop together. An old lady falls down, cracks her fucking head, right? We're best of pals. We've owned this place for 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, our insurance is not covering it for whatever reason. Whomever, you know, it's, it's falling through. And then they say, hey, there was a clear cut communication when these two guys were in the same room in front of legal counsel that was recorded where Anthony said to Joe, hey, whatever happens, I've got this under control. If you do that, just saying that 
especially in front of counsel or having any sort of proof or evidence of that, that is binding. Right. That can be used because what you're going into here is a civil case. And when you're dealing with civil law, it's much different. All sorts of shit can happen in civil law. Uh, civil law. Uh, anything can happen in civil law. Just look at what happened, for example, to O.J. Simpson. Why the hell did O.J. Simpson lose everything that he has ever acquired his entire fucking life? Because you're dealing with a different set of rules. There was no way. There was no real true way. The guy was acquitted of murder. Okay. But here he is. And they said, uh, yeah, you got to give up your Heisman trophy. Okay. We're dealing with a completely different animal. Right. CM Punk tells Cole Cabana, I got this. I got you. How much of this $200,000 that Cole Cabana is suing is from the balance of CM Punk's lawyer? Well, that's it. Well, that's it, too, is that we have to stop and think if Punk is still trying to now hold him accountable for half of that of that five hundred thousand dollars, which I don't know if, if that has been outed or whatever. I, I don't know if that's you know public well, knowledge. The, the public information is that the attorney that Cole Cabana hired, uh, mm -hmm. Carrie Stein from Ashman and Stein, they billed Cole Cabana 200 grand. Cole Cabana said, no, CM Punk's paying for it. All right. So my question is, of on this lawsuit, how much was Cole Cabana um, billed or uh, ordered to pay from CM Punk's lawyer? Well, that's like what that's but that's what I'm saying. Well, is the, if we if CM Punk, I have the answer for you. The two hundred thousand mm -hmm. is Cole Cabana's new lawyer. Why is CM Punk responsible for the money that Cole Cabana has to pay for his new lawyer? Well, did he renege on the $500,000 or did Punk actually fall through with that? There is no judgments on file publicly, and it's not that a judgment is filed privately. I mm -hmm. can't find, maybe someone has other information out there that could send it over to us, but I have not found anywhere where CM Punk's lawyers went ahead and filed some type of a judgment or collection activity against Cole Cabana for 50% of those legal bills. Basically what this lawsuit is, is that CM Punk told Cole Cabana, I got this, I'm covering it, I'm paying for everything. And yet when Cole Cabana did, went on his own, basically what Cole Cabana is saying is, I didn't want to go on my own. But I was forced to go on my own in March of 2017 because CM Punk's lawyer no longer wanted to represent me. So because of that, I'm forced to get a new lawyer. I'm forced to pay 200000 And I, if I wouldn't have had to have gotten a new lawyer, I wouldn't have been billed as 200000 And that's why CM Punk is, is supposed to be paying for it. But again, this is why I say at the end of the day, wait until CM Punk's camp, his lawyers, file a response to this because my prediction is that this lawyer is going to come out there and show that as long as Cole Cabana and CM Punk did not have a conflict between each other and the attorney, that this allowed the attorney to represent them properly, to do everything that is needed. But Cole Cabana decided to go rogue on his own. And that's when CM Punk and the attorney said, look, I can't defend this case when one of my clients is doing blah, 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 blah. So if you're going to do blah, 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 or you're going to possibly try to settle on this and this, this and that, then you know what? You're on your own. Well, we're also dealing with a, uh, a an actual case here where one person has exponentially more leverage in the form of resources than one right. does than the other. But so 
in that in that scenario, Colts obviously going to need to take some proactive steps, especially when you're dealing with somebody like Punk, who's known for being bitter, spiteful, and vindictive, to where he might at any point literally fucking th- you know, what is, sweep your legs out. Since this was, and he, and he did. Since Punk this, fucking did. He came, he stabbed the dude right in the fucking back and said, "Hey, I have this, and uh, I've got this covered." And then the case started to get to a point where, or should I say, their relationship started to become strained. And once again, let's also remember the relationship supposedly became strained because. Colt decided to go to a, a WWE event. Right, but now, there was also now, that he wanted to go on, possibly, he was discussing the idea of possibly trying to settle out with Dr. Aman instead. Remember, you got to read the court papers very, very closely because in that, on those papers, they use the word correctly. Colton believes that Brooks correctly believed that in the event Cole Cabana would retain separate counsel. Cole Cabana would attempt to make a separate agreement to settle a lawsuit and therefore cooperate with Dr. Aman's counsel in connection with the prosecution of the Aman lawsuit against CM Punk. So basically, when they use the word correctly, then that basically says that Cole Cabana's thought was, you know, maybe it's in my best interest to do A, B, C, and D. And if that's the case, and as a result of it, I may have to testify against my friend, you know, then why is CM Punk paying for any of his shit? Again, this this 200000 is not the lawyer fees from CM Punk's lawyer. This is the attorney that Colt Cabana got on his own. My mm-hmm. question after all of this is where... Does Colt Cabana take any responsibility? All right. I'm assuming he paid taxes to the government for the revenue that he received. There's no dispute there. But outside of that, posting it, uploading it, retweeting it, putting it in other separate areas, getting a cease and desist, being sued, after being sued, putting it more places, and this is and that, you know, taking the idea like, you know, like, fuck him, this is and that. I mean, he's a grown man. He decided to do a podcast. He put CM Punk on his show for whatever reasons, but Colt Cabana reaped tremendous rewards from that show. I can't find anywhere where Colt Cabana takes responsibility for his own podcast. Well, Colt Cabana could have been possibly attempting to take responsibility for that until somebody had said to him, don't worry, I've taken care of you. This is going to be all set. When when you have somebody that's been here, you have to stop and think about this. If we weren't talking about two random fucking guys that fake fight for a living, well, punk kind of fake fights for a living now. Yeah. Uh, if we weren't taking into account those two different types of people, but rather a couple who'd owned, a, like I said, they'd owned uh, any sort of a business, okay? Any sort of place where they were attempting to to run some sort of a, like I said, I used a, a, a restaurant as an example or a deli or something like that, where I, an actual money-making revenue stream, okay? Then you get to the point where it's, you know, we're basically taking two different types of people that are doing the same exact thing and saying, who's more valuable than the other? Because CM Punk said he was going to be on a show, but Cole Cabana also had a show at that time that was pretty valuable. But Cole Cabana is Punk's friend and Punk is also his friend. So it's, it was becoming at some point a level of recipro- – it was be- reciprocal yep. and on some level at that point. Yeah. 
And it's just like I said, a relationship, like a marriage where you had two people that were bringing something to the table. At this point, we're arguing if CM Punk was a doctor and hmm. his wife, Cole Cabana, was a hairdresser. Right, right. We got two different people coming from two different walks of life right. that are contributing different things. Now, if I was to say to that person, well, Cindy, you're just a fucking hairdresser. Why didn't you think ahead? Why didn't you have this foresight? And you're saying to yourself, well, I've, I've got this doctor who's looking over me. Ironically, he's a doctor in this case, yeah, yeah. in this uh, scenario I'm giving. I got this doctor who says that he's got me and he's very, very close and he's, he's taking care of this. Right. And now something as petty, something really as fucking petty as as Colt deciding to go to WW. And by the way, it's not like he went there and he was like, Hey guys, fuck that guy. Ha <laughs> He showed up more than likely to have an interaction with a few friends. Yeah, visit a few friends. Yeah. He probably went there to eat some free catering and to have a good day and to, you know, get some high fives and maybe even do some interviews for do, a show, do, which is how he makes his money. Do you think he should have showed up? Knowing that uh, Dr. Amon and WWE is somewhat behind the lawsuit also? I think that he made a decision based off of thinking these are I'm going and visiting my friends. I don't think that he was going into it and more than likely to get some content for a show, which I can't blame him for because that's his main stream of revenue. Right. That's where he's making his money from. So he's probably thinking, this is what I'm going for. What he's not thinking is, ha ha, I'm going to fuck, stab Punk right in the fucking neck. CM Punk is known for this type of thinking. Right. He's he's known as a guy. If you happen to hear uh, uh, the shoot interview with Hornswoggle, where Hornswoggle had been close with Punk for many, many years, he'd sent Punk a text message that simply said, hey, I lost this person's phone number. Would it be okay if you sent it to me? Punk perceived that as a slight on him, that he was being used, and that he was being manipulated by Dylan, a.k.a. Hornswoggle, simply because that's how Punk operates. Punk operates under the mentality of everybody's out to get him, everybody's there to fuck him over, everybody's you know planning against him, they're out to deceive Punk and get over on him, because we've known this for years. Punk has a lot of issues. Right. Punk has a lot of issues, but he also has a lot of money. Now, once again, if this was a husband and a wife, does he get off? Does the husband get off? Do we get to use the excuse that, oh, well, the husband's got a lot of issues. The wife should fucking know better. Mm. And I hate to put, you know, Colt into that role of being the, the weak and timid. But when we're dealing with finances, that is who he is in right. this scenario. Well, I tell you, I feel bad for him. Without a doubt. I mean, yeah. uh, it's it sucks that this lawsuit had to be filed in the first place. It sucks that their friendship was ruined because of it. Um, I just don't think Colt... I'm, again, I said this yesterday. Um, I'm surprised that people aren't more surprised that Colt Cabana isn't trying to sue Dr. Oman to mm. try to recover this $200,000 in legal fees. Well, that's fees. what makes both of them losers, in my opinion. Right. The, the fact that you have two separate guys here who both now they've, they've destroyed the friendship, but by the way, who the hell knows because it sure seemed like Punk was dead set on dissolving it anyways. You have two different people that now we're put in a position where their life was put under duress for years over something that truthfully is really not that fucking big of a deal because Dr. Amon throughout the course of this case was proven for some serious amount of quackery. 
I mean, that that was shown quackery, HIPAA violations, fucking up left and right, screwing his patients. This guy fucked up a bunch. Okay. If these two had had any sense about it, and I'm willing to bet that this is mostly coming from Punk's camp, because once again, I said Punk gets to be the Punk gets to be the big hubby in this scenario yeah. because he's got the money, he's got the resources, he's got the manpower. He, Punk was able to see this shit happen. He could wipe his hands of it and walk away. And basically, all you've really done is scrape a couple nickels off his fortune. Yeah. Cult. Really got the shit end of the stick here because, but unlike other divorces where we cut that lady friend a fucking check right down the middle and she gets to sit in the fucking mansion, you know what Cole Cabana gets to do? Declare bankruptcy. Yeah. He gets to eat a big old shit sandwich. And because they're from Chicago, I think he gets to put mustard and relish on it. So at least that's the good news. Not for me, though. I hate mustard. (laughs) I know. Well, we uh, went an hour. Two topics. It was awesome. Uh, I'll let everyone out there come to whatever conclusions they uh, have at this point. But one thing is for certain, a lot more is going to be coming out in the future. And uh, maybe you and I will revisit this again. Of course. Well, I mean, we also have to remember is that we don't have all the information right, right now. Exactly. So that's it. We're just basing this off of, and and I'll be the first to admit it. And I said it a little bit before we even started recording. I said it to Don Tony. I'm arguing this half from what I see legally and half from what I feel emotionally, Absolutely. which would, because this is an emotional case. Yes. We, we're not dealing with just stats here because you're dealing with two people that if these guys had just been buddy, buddy, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Yep. If we'd have been dealing with two people that really did act like grownups, by the way, these are two middle-aged men. Yes. These are two middle-aged men. We're not talking about, once again, two 20-year-olds. We're talking about two middle-aged men where they couldn't just say, hey, them's the breaks. This is how it's going to be. But the difference, once again, like I said, is that Punk has the resources in this scenario. So he's going to be the guy that's going to be looked at. He's going to be looked least favorably upon for putting his thumb down on the hairdresser wife known as Scotty Goldman yeah. or whatever you want to call him. Scotty <laughs> Colton, fucking Colt Cabana, whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, Joey, it was a pleasure. Uh, everyone out there, don't is. forget, Thursday night, 9.30 p.m. every week, Joey Numbers, Mish, Wrestling Soup. You have a Patreon as well, patreon.com slash wrestling soup, and you just record an extra for it, if I'm correct. Oh yeah, we just had a good. I, let me tell you now, I'm just jumping show to show. I feel like a I feel like the real <laughs> bell of the ball today. Yeah, have fun. Thank you very All much. Right. Thanks for having me on. Doug. Thank you for coming on. I will talk to you soon. All right, later, brother. All right, later. Just one thing I want to add to what we said yesterday, and I think that this is a very important point to make that no one has made. And let's be honest, nobody has made this point I'm about to make. You know, you got to understand one more thing on the side of CM Punk here. All right. If Colt Cabana, and and let me explain why CM Punk, in my opinion, does not want to pay Colt Cabana's bill for the new attorney. If Colt Cabana would have stood in unison, in sync with CM Punk and CM Punk's lawyer, all the legal fees would have been covered. The minute that Colt Cabana went rogue, and decided that he uh, was worried. And look, nobody blames Colt Cabana for being worried. 
You know, as I said yesterday, if you play, you must pay. And you got to take some responsibility. By Colt Cabana getting, and this is so critical, by him getting his own lawyer, the lawyer fees are double dipped. Think about that. CM Punk spent, what, 800 grand plus on legal fees? And then Colt Cabana spent another 200000 because he had to get his own lawyer. So that last stretch of the case was double dipped. You had two lawyers representing two people. If Colt Cabana would have stood with CM Punk, it would have been one lawyer representing two people. So on CM Punk's side, that extra $200,000 was not necessary. And I'm sorry, if two people are being accused of something, just because they're not friends doesn't mean that the lawyer has a bias. There was really no reason for Colt Cabana to split on his own. But as I said yesterday, and it was so strong uh, to stress, that as long as they were in sync, that they were on the same page, everything was covered, everything was fine. But when Colt Cabana starts taking a different path, he literally could fuck up all of the work that that lawyer had done up until that point. You're talking over a year to two years worth of work. So you're supposed to risk that? No, of course not. Colt Cabana wants to get his own lawyer. He wants to go his own direction. Fine. He's got to take some responsibility for himself. And again, remember, the money that Colt Cabana is trying to sue is not the bill that CM Punk's lawyer handed to Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana got his own lawyer, incurred another 200000 even though it was, there was already a lawyer on the case, and then Colt goes to CM Punk and says, here, pay this bill. And CM Punk said no. And in my opinion, CM Punk was 100% right. So I want to thank Joey Numbers for coming on again. Joey, if you're listening, we definitely need to have more discussions and debates. It doesn't have to be about wrestling only. Uh, there's a lot of topics I know we would have a ball doing. And I know what some of you are going to say, oh, you should do a podcast together. We have so much shit on our plate right now. You know, I, I was joking with Mish earlier talking about, you know, stuff with business and podcasts. And I said, look, before you try to build five houses, make sure the first house you build has the right foundation and as nice as it could be. Then you go to house number two, number three, number four. You know, some people out there think, you know, oh, what's the the, the way to get more? Oh, I'll just create something new and create something new. No, it's sometimes you got to, you know, build and mold and put in a boatload of effort in one project, then doing three lackluster projects, right? So now I want to get into my initial thoughts on the Peyton Royce-Dave Meltzer situation. I know Kevin Castle on Monday's DTKC show is going to want to talk about this, so I will keep most of my thoughts there. And I'm sure more is going to develop as this story progresses between now and Monday. And I don't even know if you could use the term develop because to me it's more of a snowball that's building right now than anything else. A huge part of the social media community is in an uproar of what Dave Meltzer said. Women in pro wrestling, supporters, friends, fellow co-workers of Peyton Royce are in an uproar as well. And a lot of you out there, the last six hours, because it's basically breaking today, have asked me, emailed, private message, social media, hey, what do you think about this? I'm going to give you my honest thoughts. Now, for those that don't know the whole story, you know, Dave Meltzer did his podcast and they were talking about the Iconics. He was talking about Peyton Royce in particular. And him and uh, Alvarez were having a discussion. 
And basically how the discussion went was this way. Dave Meltzer says to Alvarez, and I quote, I thought they had a cool act in NXT. And on the main roster, I don't get a thing out of them. I don't think their promos are particularly good. Their wrestling isn't good. I think they even like, I think Peyton Royce's transformation to look more attractive. I don't know. I don't want to say, but I don't think that. And Alvarez interrupts him and says that they were more attractive in NXT. And Meltzer says, I thought so. Yes, to me. Yes, I would say so. But that's neither here or there. Alvarez, quote, no one's saying she's unattractive, by the way, everybody. And Meltzer says, oh, I know. No shit. Yeah, I didn't say it at all, but she doesn't stand out to me. When she was in NXT, she did. She was a lot lighter. So now this sparked a response by Peyton Royce. My first immediate reaction was she shouldn't have said anything. Her response, and I quote, so what would you have me do, Dave? Starve myself? This is how nightmares for young women start. The females in your life must be proud. Now, yes, Dave Meltzer heard her feelings. Dave Meltzer did not word it properly, the right way. Was it something that should have been said? No. Me, I would have worded it a little bit different. If she had put on weight, if she would have put on weight, and that uh, caused her to be much slower in the ring, or caused her to look sloppy, or if it just really um, started to restrict her work compared to NXT, if it really made a big difference negatively, yeah, then you could make mention of it. But my God, you know, you look at photos of Peyton Royce, whether you like her in-ring work or not, whether you like the Iconics or not. Me, I have said many times in the past, I the Iconics on the main roster do absolutely nothing for me. To me, I have said it before, they look like two girls on social media, you know, they do the selfies and this, this and that. I, you know, I don't, there's nothing that stands out, but I also said they are still new on the main roster and the main roster is a whole different animal than NXT. Give them time to develop. That's what I said. All right. But one thing I will say is that there is nothing about Peyton Royce's look that has restricted her work at all compared to NXT. And in my opinion, she has not put on weight. All right. You know, if somebody wants to say it has to do with breast implants or this, this and that, it doesn't matter. In my opinion, Peyton Royce, by her responding, it's not, you know, I, I see what some people's initial thoughts are. Oh, you're giving credence. You're giving, you know, Dave Meltzer a platform and you're just making him look like an established person. No, in my opinion, you know, you see the photos out there of Peyton Royce recently. She's not <laughs> unfit. She didn't gain weight. She looks beautiful. My opinion, even if it hurt her feelings, I would have just posted a photo of her. The photo that, that's going around right now that's getting the most attention is her wearing the burgundy pants with the half-cut shirt. And if you just post that photo, you don't even see, need to say a word. And you basically are just showing Dave Meltzer that he is way wrong on this conversation. But the thing that is an issue also, and this happens in social media all the time, is that the minute you comment about someone's physical appearance, you know, right away it's, oh, you know, that's how people get anorexic. That's how people have emotional problems. That's how people become bulimic. That's how people do this. You know, that's that you're going from a, a, an ignorant 
criticism about her current look to anorexia and you know what I mean? That's a, that's really, really of a stretch. To her, have that type of thought, like, what am I supposed to do, starve myself? You know, that's an extreme. And that really hits the nerve of a lot of people out there because nobody wants to hurt Peyton Royce personally. You know, if you don't like their work on the main roster, if you don't think that they're ready, fine. You could express that. There is nothing wrong with that. But... Peyton Royce putting that out there shows this really hurt her feelings big time. And I feel bad for her. But I just think that putting the photo out there or letting social media speak for you would have probably been the better way to go with this. But as a result, the a huge, huge, huge fireball of uh, negative feedback is going Dave Meltzer's way. And, you know, I'm not defending Dave Meltzer at all. I totally disagree with what he said about her looks completely. I don't think he meant it as bad as it sounded. But again, you know, when I just did, I just covered this week in wrestling history. I uploaded it on Tuesday morning. And one of the clips on there was the Iron Sheik's last ever WWF match other than the gimmick battle royal. And they let him go because when he came back, he put on a lot of weight. He was about 30, 40 pounds heavier. And one thing I took notice is that if, you, and I said it on the show, if you actually watch that match, you may think, you know, just in passing, oh, I don't see anything really different about Iron Sheik. But if you actually look a little bit closer, you know, he's having problems getting off his feet, getting back on his feet. He's putting his hand on the floor. He's struggling. Now, is Peyton Royce anywhere near that? Absolutely not. But the point is, is that if we saw something out there that was inhibiting Paint Royce's ability to wrestle, or if it really slowed her down and she was putting on pounds, you know, then I think you have a right to express an opinion. All right, but I don't know. I mean, if if he didn't think that they're doing anything on the main roster, I don't know what about her body has changed. And I don't want anybody to say breast implants or anything like that. I'm talking about her in-ring work. It is not much of a difference from the NXT stuff. Yeah, as the careers go, you know, you get more experience, you try some new moves and this and that. I just didn't find anything out of the ordinary like that as far as her look. Does Dave Meltzer have a right to his opinion? Absolutely. But the way it was presented, I just didn't think that that was necessary. Now, I know Dave Meltzer did apologize um, to her. He said, and I quote, I'd like to apologize to you. You're an exceedingly attractive woman. I do realize the lengths and pressures on women in the entertainment world to maintain unnatural looks at times. And I'm glad that you pointed this out. And even though he apologized, you have a lot of people still speaking out, really, really going hard at Dave Meltzer. You know what? We don't know Peyton Royce personally. You know, from what we hear, she is a very, very sweet girl. And, um, you know, if this looks like it really hurt her feelings big time. What have I said on these shows for fucking 21 years that even famous people do cry? Even famous people do have feelings. They have emotions that they are, are human beings just like all of us. Yes, you know, being uh, in their position is much different than what we are. But at the end of the day, you still have to understand. 
You want to critique someone's work, fine. But to go on that level where it really, really took shots at her looks, you know, like I said, I don't think he was intending on like it coming out the way it did. Um, and I think he truly, truly feels bad about it. But um, wow, social media is blowing up over this story. And like I said, more is going to develop between now and Monday. And, you know, let me know what you think about it. I'm very curious. So, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to mention as well, you know, I know Joey and I had a little conversation regarding Court Bauer and, you know, bringing shit out there, dirty laundry and stuff like that. And I, I always call him a washwoman for, you know, just the things that he says. It's like, hey, everybody, look at me. I, I used to write for WWE. I'm famous and I'm this. I just, I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. No, it's not jealousy before anybody says anything. I don't want to be in that position. I'm happy with what I do. You know, that's that's the difference. You know, 20 years ago, maybe I would have had jealousy and envy and stuff like that. But no, I like that, you know, my life personally and professionally is organized and I got a nice, you know, comfortable situation here. I get to, you know, uh, vent and have a release by doing these shows and everybody seems to enjoy them. I have great friends, great family. I got a wonderful girl by my side. You know, perfect world. My dog would still be around, but, you know, it is what it is. I don't want to change any of that. You know, so it's not jealousy in any way, shape, or form. I think there's a lot of people in wrestling that feel the very same way as what I said about Court Bauer. But keep in mind also, he has MLW going right now. It is doing well. I have complimented the MLW promotion in recent months. If you follow the show on a consistent basis, you know, the stuff that happened with Court Bauer and USA Pro Wrestling was over 10 years ago. So me praising the promotion the last couple of months, you know, that's with, you know, the history that went on. Give it credit. And for those that live in the Florida area, you know, September 6th, they're going to have their Fusion TV taping in Fort Lauderdale at the War Memorial Auditorium. Um, it's definitely... Uh, an interesting card. They already have Sammy Callahan, Jimmy Havoc, Leon Scott, Sawyer Fulton, and a mystery partner versus John Morrison, John Hennigan, Shane Strickland, uh, Cotto Brazil, Barrington Hughes, and Tommy Dream in a War Games match. You have PCO versus Brody King and Pentagon Jr. versus LA Park in a Mexican massacre match. Low-key, Tom Lawler, Ray Fenix, Maxwell Friedman, the New Heart Foundation, the Dirty Blondes, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. You know, we had that discussion Monday, Kevin and I, of him in MLW. So they got a nice little thing going in Florida. And if you could go check them out live in person, MLWgo.com. So, you know, can't criticize the current product. Anyway, Monday's rating, everything that went down, building up to SummerSlam, a 1.96. One year ago, 500,000 more viewers than this year. So I know in recent years, you have other platforms to watch WWE. People don't find it absolutely urgent to watch on Monday night. They could catch it later on in the week. They could do it at their convenience. But you think that in only one year, 500,000 less people tuning in. I think that says a lot, especially when you realize you got Ronda Rousey now on the main roster, who WWE is putting a lot of focus on. 
And this SummerSlam card looks pretty solid. Let's be honest. But the Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar thing is just turning a lot of people off. It's fucking madness. It's madness. And yes, this match is going to have a much different feeling and outcome when everything is said and done compared to matches in the past. Without a doubt, I don't think anybody would disagree with me saying that. All right. But again, when you look at the overall, you know, card and even SmackDown this past Tuesday, I saw SmackDown. I thought it was okay. I I didn't think anything really, really stood out other than the buildup between Daniel Bryan and The Miz. I do find it funny, and I am going to point this out. I find it funny of websites and blogs that have to feel that they must post something negative, you know, to stand out more than anything else. And I'll give you a great example of it. You know, SmackDown, as a viewer at home, it wasn't that spectacular of a show. If you actually look at the match results from beginning to end, you know, we did not have a lot of big stars performing on the card. All right, that's just a fact. However, if you're there live and in person, all right, they have dark matches after the card is done. The people that were there live and in person also got to experience 205 Live. If you decide at intermission, at the end of SmackDown, a few minutes before to beat the traffic, you decide to leave earlier, and you miss one, two, three, four matches, that's your fucking problem. That's your fucking fault. To go online and bitch about things, that's your fucking fault. But for websites to give a platform for people like that, I think is just it's stupid. It's ignorant. It's dumb. I'll give you a great example of it. Some guy by the name of Jay Kelly, we'll call him Jackass. That's his first name. He ripped SmackDown apart. Now, keep in mind, he went to the live show. He attended SmackDown. He had floor seats, floor seats. He talked about how the crowd, you know, was mostly full until the end. And he says, and I quote, this was by far the worst wrestling show I've ever been to. And I was present at December to dismember. He left after SmackDown in complete disgust for a waste of time and money. He goes on to say that Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, and The Miz, none of them performed on SmackDown. None of those top competitors wrestled. Think about that. This guy left after SmackDown. I don't know if you know this, but AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson wrestled after 205 Live and defeated Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, and Shinsuke Nakamura. So the people that he said they weren't on the show, Shinsuke, Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, all four of them wrestled on the card that night. The only people on his list that did not perform was The Miz and Daniel Bryan. That's been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks for the most part. So this guy leaves early and loses out on the match, and yet a website still puts up his comments to put negative attention towards the SmackDown show. Is that dumb? You fucking left early? That's your goddamn problem. And for the websites that not only reported that, but cut and pasted and put it elsewhere. I mean, how asinine do you look that you're putting up someone's negative review saying it's the worst show of all time and they fucking left early and missed out on 
a lot of the stars that they wanted to see. And I know what some of you are going to say, oh, it was a dark match. What the fuck does that mean? Why? Because it didn't air on a television set? You're there live and in person. You're live there in person. What, do you think there was going to be a title change if they were on the card? Come on. Asinine. Be a little smart when you write shit online or you put up people's comments. The minute the guy says, I left after SmackDown, I didn't watch 205 Live. All these people didn't perform, but meanwhile, every single person but two did, and you fucking put it up anyway? Idiots. Anyway, shout out to our associate producers. Tygsy Bowers, Andrew914, Brandon Davidson, Zach Zbunamore, Chris Harris, Razorback Rob, Jerry Stewart, Magic Johnson, Paul Woods Jr., Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Charles Lentz, Villainous Havoc, Courtney Summers, the evil baker and food truck guy, Croissant, and Tom Molly. And when I say associate producer, I want to be clear. They're not associate producers for Patreon. They really give us a lot of input of what is covered on these shows, DTKC, Breakfast of Blasi, and others, they give their opinions on what should be added and taken away. They are very instrumental as far as what's covered on certain shows. And they are, along with the other patrons, the reason why these shows remain free for everyone. They really help us out tremendously. And if you've never signed up on our Patreon page, I know we plug it a lot. But believe me, for as little as five bucks, you'd be surprised if a whole bunch of people all signed up and tried it out for a month. The expenses that you help us with with the what we pay to for these shows, it's immense. So we do the Patreon page as a thank you and as an appreciation. There's hundreds of hours of breakfast soup hosted by yours truly and Mish. There's hundreds of hours of Castle Chronicles, a solo show by Kevin Castle. This Sunday, we have the pay-per-view predictions contest. We have crazy prizes up for grabs that you could be part of. We just did a silver giveaway earlier today. James Grusom won that. We have a gold giveaway tomorrow. I just put up another little test vlog of much ado about nothing. If everybody always out there hears me talk about I'm at the beach house or I'm on location doing the show, I actually filmed about five minutes of video giving you a tour of not only my place on location, but also my podcast setup. A lot of you out there. So there's so much stuff going over there. We just posted a 2006 uh, lost episode of the Minority Report, putting up some lost episodes of the Mass Maniac show next week, hotline audio of me going back to 1999. You know, if you think I suck now, my God, did you hear me back then? <laughs> Drizzling shits. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun over there. It's a very tight-knit family. When you realize the hundreds of thousands of downloads that we get every week or two, and then you realize that there's only about 500 people on Patreon. That just goes to show you how small of a tight-knit family it is over there. And it's wonderful. It's really, really cool. Shout out to Michael Cuomo, Daniel Warren, Brian Byrne, Rob McCabe, Douglas McKay, Marcus Antonius. Again, happy birthday, Isaac, Spider Lewin, Carl Buteau, a.k.a. Cheese and Rice, Frank O'Shea, Brandon Rice, Julian LeBlanc. Hey, Anna. Uh, I don't give a shit about your kid's banana. You know, today's the two-year anniversary that uh, Brock Lesnar cut that promo on Heat Slater. That will be a little clip on This Week in Wrestling History for next week's episode. Uh, Frank O'Shea, um, as I said, Douglas McKay, uh, Murrow Coombs Jr., Kenneth Hewlett, 
Russell Zavala, Donald J. Trump, Crestman, James Deal, and CJ Uihara. Get into some more shout outs in a little bit. My condolences to the family, friends, and fans of Ian Dean. And I know a lot of you out there, especially in the United States, are probably saying, who is Ian Dean? He's a pro wrestler. Died at 48 years old, which is way too young to go, whether you wrestle or not. Um, wrestled primarily in the UK. Actually had a cup of coffee in WCW. He had been retired since 1998. Um, they cited mostly head injuries. I don't. Some places actually wrote post-concussion syndrome. I don't know if that's true or not. But still, he passed away yesterday at the age of 48. Um, I was reading some of his bio to get to you know learn about his career a little bit more. I saw a few places write that he goes back to the early 80s wrestling in the UK. Now, I don't know about any of you out there, but whenever you say like early 80s, you know, to me, that's 1981, no, either 80, 81, 82, 83. When you get to 84, 85, 86, that would be considered the mid 80s. Then when you go to 87, 88, 89, that's the late 80s. So now if you're going to say he wrestled going back to the early 80s, 1983, that's 35 years ago. That means he was wrestling at age 13. I don't know if that's true, but still, you know, some people had pointed that out. And, uh, you know, he was actually a pretty big star in the UK. Not a major star, but he was very well liked. And, you know, again, my condolences to the family, friends, and fans of his. 48 is way too young to go. Uh, some good news uh, for everyone out there who is a fan of The Miz and Maris and their reality show, Miz and Mrs., they've already decided to pick it up for a second season. I don't think there was any doubt on that. I do get a kick of some websites out there that are pointing out that every episode has been steadily declining in the ratings. Jesus Christ. It This past episode got 1.16 million viewers. The last episode got 1.25. Yeah, 90,000 viewers. Any new reality show, especially when they're brand new, a lot of people, oh, I got to see what this is about. You hype it up for months. You hype it, hype it, hype it, hype it. Plus, you know, Miz and Maris, it would be an interesting reality show to see. So a lot of people tune in for the premiere. And then, you know, maybe, look, when something premieres on TV, and it's hyped up. Look at Mr. Rogers. I finally got to see it. I got to see a bootleg. It's going to be out available for digital viewing on, I believe, August 21st. I can't tell you how many people I know that are counting down the days to watch this that didn't get the opportunity to see it in a movie theater. All right. So when you have something premiere for the first time and it's being hyped for days, weeks, months, it gives a lot of anticipation. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Can't. In, in anything that you do, you have a first date. You book it a month in advance. I'm going on vacation. August 23rd to the 26th, I'm going to Connecticut. First time I'm going away with my girlfriend. Other than one time we went to uh, like a spa hotel a couple of years ago for a day and a half. whoop de fucking do You know, we planned this a month and a half ago. So next week we're going. So, you know, you have that six weeks of anticipation, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. So once it happens, even if you decide to go again in the future, you don't have as much anticipation. And when you have a reality show like that and it's being hyped forever, the curiosity factor is multiplied by a thousand. So now you tune in, you see the first episode. You know, when the second episode comes out, 
Maybe it's not. Oh, it debuts at 9.30 p.m. I have to tune in at 9.29 and make sure I watch it as it comes out. No, you may watch the replay three hours later. You may watch it the next day. I'll catch it later on in the week. Does The anticipation is not as much as the first episode or the second episode or the third episode. You know, if you saw the ratings nosedive, that's different. But to have it just decline slightly over the last couple of episodes, come on, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. 1.16 million viewers is pretty damn good, especially when you compare it to some other shows out there. You know, and I think they're going to have 14 episodes for season two. So it's 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 a pretty cool deal, and I'm I'm really happy that it's doing as well as it it is. It's a different type of reality show. If you've never tuned into it, you know they purposely will do skits and segments, you know that aren't I don't want to say aren't real, but you see what's going on with the Nikki Bella John Cena stuff. You know there was shit going on and things were being done. You know designed for TV and you know things were in dispute and they tried to hype things up to get attention to it. And yeah, any reality show hypes to get attention, but a lot of what you saw with Cena and Nikki Bella just felt staged, forced. You know done for certain reasons because they knew that it co- corresponded with ratings and trying to get a buzz. Ms. and Maris do skits and they tell you. You know, that it's nonsense, stuff like that. They're just having fun. And uh, it's a different type of show. I really uh, am enjoying it, to be honest with you. And I don't like reality shows at all. I can't stand it. I've talked many uh, times over the years about a lot of reality shows out there that uh, was just the drizzling shits. And some of them hit home here for personal reasons. I'm not going to get into it now, but you all know who I'm talking about, so. Shout out to some more of our associate producers, and I want to shout out some sponsors. Scott Woodford, Billy Taylor, Nickel Time, Toby DeShong, Jason Pratt, Josh Wilson, Mandingo Chamberlain, Danes Valdez, Lucia Dalban, Sean DeMarsh, Bob O'Mac, Tim Everhart, Jeffrey Collins, Matt Militia, Muck Israel, James Grusom, again, congrats on winning earlier, Anthony Smith, Out in the Here, Aaron Kloss, Aaron Walker, Brent Webster, Hassan Al-Hashmi, uh, John Stern, and I don't remember if I shout out Nickel Time, so I'll shout him out again if I if I didn't. Texas Podcast Massacre. If you want to check out a very unique show that focuses on like cult films, horror films, pop culture, go check that out. Rock Reviews, very unique podcast. It talks about music in a whole different light, mostly rock-related rock music, but very, very unique. It keeps my interest, even though about 90% of the music they cover, I don't listen to. Sneaker Addict, DJ Dell's podcast about sneakers. Like I said, he's got an episode up there right now. Him and Tommy Dreamer are talking about sneakers. It's fucking hilarious. Elman Shah got a displayed store, uh, pop culture artwork on metal. If you go to my website, dontony.com, check out the synopsis for tonight's show. You will find the link there. He's actually got like a retro video game one that I am ordering. No bullshit. Since I am going to be doing vlogs soon, I'm going to set up a little bit of a backdrop. No, I'm not doing anything professional. Not going to be fucking fake or anything like that. No, I'm not going to have a thousand things laying around my area. I have three or four things. But that one, I think, just fits this area perfectly. And even if I don't use it as a part of my backdrop for my show, it goes in my game room. And I'm always into retro games more than anything. SubZeroComics.com for all your wrestling, 
pop culture, comic book collectible needs. Your Best Bargains, LLC, has an Amazon and an eBay store. And Christ in the Toyverse, they got a really cool podcast as well. Talks about collectibles, pop culture, you know, a lot of unique um, items. So definitely seek that out too. Now, two other things I want to get into before we go. Uh, Triple H did an NXT conference call earlier today. I listened to most of it. You know, I, I saw people online making fun of some of the people asking questions, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, some of the people that were criticizing these people, I'm like, you know, you should talk. I mean, talk about the popcorn, the kettle black. But uh, one, someone brought up Neville. Triple H, I don't want to say he dodged the topic, but he basically said there's really not much movement on there. And even if there was, do you think he would have revealed that? Could you imagine if Triple H would have said, oh, we're having discussions and, you know, we, we definitely have some progress. Every fucking website would be talking about it. And I don't think Triple H and WWE was really trying to put focus on Neville right now. I would love to see Neville just show up. Could you imagine if he showed up in NXT TakeOver? That would be fucking great. But to think that he is going to give any type of revealing answer, I thought was uh, wishful thinking on the person who asked that earlier today. One last thing I will talk to you about, which I got a kick out of. You know, look, I understand when wrestlers do interviews that they have to remain in character sometimes. Like the other day, we didn't even cover it because, as I say many times, just because there's 34 articles out there, in the world of pro wrestling doesn't mean that you read all 34 articles on a show. You have to pick and choose what is newsworthy, what is worth talking about, what is interesting, what is credible, what is real, and what is, you know, something that the listeners would enjoy. So we never discussed the interview recap of Roman Reigns saying that he wasn't interested in having Paul Heyman as his manager. Trust me. I don't think he has, you know, the final decision and something like that. If WWE wanted Paul Heyman to be Roman Reigns' manager, he would be Roman Reigns' manager. So for people to write reports, Roman Reigns is not interested in Paul Heyman being his manager, uh, you know, come on. Stop fucking thinking that Roman Reigns has the, the, the say whether it happens or not. Does he have input? Absolutely. Not going to deny that. But to turn around and make it sound like it's his decision, no matter, you know, Yes or no, that's ridiculous. But here's one I definitely think we should bring up. Did another interview. People asked him about fans at Boom. His words, and I quote, I think they're closet lovers, to be honest. You can say whatever you want, but it's how you say it that matters. The way they deliver it. They're more connected to me than their so-called favorites. For me to be able to pull on whatever string I put on, pull on, just goes to show there's a deep rooting there. Crowd reaction doesn't really matter to me as long as they're really loud. That's all I care about. There could be certain moments where they try to hijack shows and all of that, but by the end of each match, they're standing up, so I've been blessed. I really do think that if they love to hate you, they still love you. Trust me when I tell you, Roman Reigns, when I say I legitimately go in the other room, take a dump, take a piss, make, a, make something quick to eat, Turn my computers on to prepare prepare for a podcast since we always do it Monday after Raw. Get some quick things done. Maybe get the opportunity to put some laundry in the dryer, put some clothes away, put my stuff aside, what I'm going to bring to work tomorrow. You know, it, that five minutes, seven minutes, whatever it is. Yes, I'll keep the volume on to hear if anything takes place that I need to cover on our podcast. 
but I honestly and truthfully am not interested in his shit on TV. This is the way I feel right now. It's nothing personal with the guy. It might change in the future. I'm not one of these people. I got to stress this. I'm not one of these people that if he turns heel, then all of a sudden I'm a fan of his. You know, I, I don't work that way. It's not the way I operate as far as wrestlers. It's not simply, oh, you know, turn heel, boom, instant. Do I think he should turn heel? It would be very fucking interesting. But I don't know if it's the be all end all on Roman Reigns, you know, getting a more receptive pop from the crowd. You know, it's to, for people to try to cover it up and make excuses, you know, it doesn't help him either. I've said this for the last bunch of years. When Triple H said, oh, he's a heel already. People are booing him. He's a heel. Think about that. I mean, we're not that fucking dumb. He's not a heel. And to turn around and say he's a heel already simply because he's being booed. Some jabroni 17-year-old podcaster would make a comment like that. To have Triple H, who is in a position that he's in, even if he wasn't, he's, you know, the wrestler, le- you know, legend, veteran, to make a comment like that was just a cop-out. It was just dumb and stupid, and it doesn't help Roman Reigns at all. You know, if I think if more people just acknowledged that he has a lot of problems connecting with fans, you know, there is, you know, that go-away heat, you know, I, I, I don't recall. Look, I mentioned it on this week's edition of This Week in Wrestling History. I played the match, the ending, where X-Pac and Kane won the tag titles on Raw. Listen to that pop when X-Pac got the pin. Crowd erupted. Was there a point during the Attitude Era that X-Pac had nuclear heat, go-away heat, nobody wanted to see him on TV? Absolutely. That's why they, the term X-Pac heat became famous. There was, a, there was a point where X-Pac was not liked by fans, not because of a heel, because they didn't want to see him on TV. All right? I don't recall X-Pac doing interviews or people saying back then, oh, you know, as long as they have an emotion and a reaction, you know, they really, they're closet. You know, it's just a cop-out. Cop out, you know, stop making excuses for the obvious, because I think that's what turns people off on Roman Reigns even more to make excuse after excuse after cop out after it just doesn't help his cause, in my opinion, just my opinion. But again, at the end of the day, it's nothing personal against the guy. I don't have to like every wrestler that's on the show. You know, but I will speak out when I'm not a fan of somebody's work and I'm just not a fan of somebody's work. And he is one of them. I have others, but he's the one that's getting the main event push. So obviously he gets a little bit more talk than maybe someone who wrestles on fucking, you know, Saturday morning, blah. You know what I mean? So of course he's going to get more talk than other people out there. Anyway, I'm out of here. You know, I got to keep reminding myself that I recorded 67 minutes yesterday. So you add these two clips together it's almost two hour episode so everyone follow me on twitter at don tony d the website dontony.com email me don tony at dontony.com facebook.com slash dtkc show don't forget this sunday SummerSlam. if you're a patron the SummerSlam recap will be posted online about an hour after the event is over and it will be posted for everyone else as part of the Don Tony and Kevin Castle show download on Monday night. 
Uh, just keep sending your feedback in. It is much appreciated as always looked at. And I want to thank you as always for your support. Don't forget later on this year, got a major, major announcement coming. As of right now, this announcement is going to affect what I do in this starting December. Can't reveal what it is yet. I don't know exactly when it can be revealed. It could be three weeks from now. It could be two months from now. But all I will say is that if you've been a supporter of my work for the last 21 years, and I will say it a million times over, I am not polished. I am not a professional. I do this for the love of wrestling and beyond because I don't just talk about wrestling, obviously. But, you know, we talk as if we're just a whole bunch of friends having discussions about whatever. But if you like what I do and have been supportive for any part of the last 21 years, I promise you that in the progression and development of what I offer you all online, this announcement will be the biggest announcement I have ever made related to the work that I do. When I post those little teasers on Twitter, the change is coming. Yeah, there is change coming. And I know some of you out there will not like what the change is, but I think overall people will realize why it is absolutely needed. And I definitely am so excited. I wish I could tell you now, but believe me, once the announcement is made, you'll look back on it and you'll say, okay, now I understand why you couldn't say anything. So everyone take care. I will be back two weeks from today, which will be, believe it or not, already August 29th. It's amazing how fast this year is going by. Uh, I will return on Monday with Kev for your next edition of the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle Show. Next Wednesday will be Breakfast Soup, hosted by yours truly and Mish on Patreon. And it, again, if you sign up on Patreon, even if you don't get it you know, tomorrow, it'll be up there for download after the fact. But Kev will be doing a new installment of his solo show, Castle Chronicles, tomorrow night. So look out for that. Everyone, I'll talk to you all soon. Be well. And thank you, as always, for the support. And please... Let me know your feedback regarding the debate that Joey Numbers and I had. Which side do you agree with? And don't take a side to kiss my ass or to piss me off or kiss Joey's ass or to piss him off. Listen to both sides and be honest. There is no wrong side to take, even though it should be mine. No, it really isn't. You take you know, an opinion on it, and I'm curious if I changed anybody's opinions. I will tell you on social media... It's amazing how many people originally took the side of Cole Cabana, but now take the side of CM Punk. I swear to you, I do not dislike Cole Cabana in any way, shape, or form. He comes off as a good guy, a likable person who was put in a very bad situation. Should he have taken more responsibility? In my opinion, absolutely. Do I blame him to a certain extent of filing this lawsuit? No. I mean, if you could possibly settle and get some you know, of this expense away from yourself? Yeah, I mean, I guess I can understand why he's doing it. Do I agree with it? No. But, you know, it's not done with the idea to change anybody's minds or to say that cult is wrong. I'm giving you an opinion. 
And yes, I spoke to someone on the outside who gave me some information that has not been released public yet. You know, I, I did hold back on some of the real specifics, mainly because there's really no way for me to verify them. I don't talk to CM Punk. I don't know his lawyers. And I'm not going to, you know, try to play fucking investigative journalist out here. I'm just going to give you my opinion. But based on what I see and been told so far, that is the view I took. I'm very curious to see your feedback on it. Please send it and you all take care be well ciao support the don tony and kevin castle show on patreon get access to thousands of hours of back episodes get bonus episodes and exclusive shows castle chronicles breakfast soup pay-per-view recaps dvds beer koozies tattoos and more support the show that's entertained millions for over 16 years patreon.com slash don tony once again patreon.com slash don tony 